Good evening, everyone watching this episode. This is Beyond the Basics Sports Podcast, and we are back after a very, very, very long hiatus due to college sports for the, like, three weeks that it happened and the obvious pandemic that has struck our country. I'm Nick Watson. Joining me is Diego Harrington. Hi. And Troy Edmonds. Hello. So, to kick off our new episode and our new programming using the Anchor app, shout out to those guys. (laughs) Start with the probably the obvious fact that this has probably been the most exciting and like game changing no pun intended season like off season the NFL's seen in a long time. And I mean there's obvious reasons due to the pandemic, but like to me this has like been the craziest stuff I've seen since like twenty thirteen and even that, like this is the craziest it's ever been. I don't know how you guys feel. Uh yeah, no, this is the craziest in my entire life. I've never seen anything like this for all sports. Um, it's something that people now have to take into consideration now, especially the people that are in the business of the sport. Like how, like in response to this, now they have to be ready for that. Uh, yeah, it's obviously with the pandemic going on, everything's you know really crazy right now. Like Diego said, in all the sports, uh, it's just. You know, a lot to take in right now. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on with a bunch of the leagues starting to get back into play and with, uh, you know, the big moves happening in the NFL, too. Yeah, so, I mean, I think there's – we got the obvious. Tom Brady leaving the Patriots Patriots after, like, 20 20 seasons, which, as a Patriots fan, hurts on a daily basis. But, I mean, yeah. It does. Yeah. It's tough. And then you got Gronk going to the Bucks, of course, because uh, you knew that was bound to happen after Brady went. Yeah, yeah. it was all it was all planned, really. <laughs> <laughs> the just the whole league was just ready for Gronk Brady reunion. Well, I mean, this is like the craziest like change of the NFL kind of move since at least I think since Manning left the Colts and joined the Broncos. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's, that's yeah. Brady's definitely the biggest name to enter free agency since Peyton Manning. Oh yeah. And it's, to, it's, it's for Brady is going to be a different challenge because he's been so long with the Patriots, so he had he went to try something different. I think. Oh yeah, I, it's going to be a new look because I mean. In all honesty, I feel like he's going up way against way better competition. Yeah, you know, I mean, you got put... the Saints, Seahawks, Forty yeah, yeah. Niners, yeah. Packers, Vikings. I yes, guess you yeah. could consider the Cowboys and Eagles. Falcon. I mean, like, it's gonna be a struggle for that team to win that division. Because I mean, yeah, they have Tom Brady and Gronkowski, but that defense is not. It that's not gonna. It's not an automatic division win just because you have TV twelve back there. Yeah, no, it's not. And no, it's not. And like, 
like you said, with the tough competition, they have to play the the Saints twice a year and the Falcons twice a year too. And playing both those teams at their own home stadiums is two of the toughest toughest games, and they'll probably play this entire season. Because if you look at their schedule, obviously this is all pending Corona impacts. So as of right now, they obviously have their four division games, but they also play the Broncos and Chargers, but they also play at the Bears. They play the Packers, Rams, Chiefs, and Vikings. So, I mean, the Chiefs, Vikings, and Packers jump off the page at you. Like, those are three three teams that they could easily lose to because – I mean, I don't, I don't, it would shock me if Tom Brady and the Bucks could beat the Chiefs because he could barely do it with the Patriots. I don't know if he – I don't think he, he'll pull it off with the Bucks. Yeah, it, it's not just going to be with Brady either. I mean, it's not just going to be that whole offense. It's got to be the whole entire team from the coaching staff making the right decisions on the stuff that they need to do to win that game, the defense on – stopping the other team and it's going to be rough for them. Yeah. I mean, they got to obviously looking at the roster, their offense seems pretty stacked, but like, cause I mean, obviously you got Brady back there yeah, and you got Gronk at tight end, but you also got OJ Howard and I believe Cameron Brait is still on the roster. And like, those are three, potentially, like, really great tight ends. O.J. Howard's an up-and-coming star, and now you're shoving Gronk right in front of him, who you have no idea what he's going to look like because he hasn't been playing contact sports since he retired, if you want to count the WWE, but that was that was a one-time thing. And <laughs> that lasted about a week until he signed with the Bucks. so. <laughs> it, yeah, and it it's not just going to be the offense because Again, if as much as the offense can score, if the other team matches you as equally, it's not going to get you anywhere. So it, it has to be both the, also the defense working, working hard to stop the other team. And seeing the Bucks' defense lately, yeah, they've gotten better, but it's going to be hard for them, especially with oh, those yeah. three teams. And no, I think definitely it's an improved offense, but they. I still believe they lack a solid running game. I think with Brady, it'll help game plan and game time decisions and plays and stuff. Obviously, with the brain power of Bruce Arians, another very intelligent coach, I think that'll help a lot. Because I, I thought one of the things that they lack was just the game game plan and like the field general knowledge in the quarterback position because we I think we can all agree that Jameis Winston didn't have that. <laughs> no. He no. couldn't even see far away. <laughs> he, he did oh, get LASIK. Hey. He got LASIK. Yeah. <laughs> he got LASIK now. <laughs> Look out. Yeah, but I mean it's gonna it's gonna be really different because you look at 
that's a that's a move that talk about not changing the NFL, but I mean, aside from the Buccaneers as like the football team as a franchise, that's this has got to be the biggest thing that's happened to them since they won the Super Bowl. And unfortunately, I think that's true, but it, it's kind of a good thing at the same time. But it's also like a little bit of a slap in the face, but it's reality. Yeah, and it, it's it's been a change for NFL, not just with whole hierarchy of teams, but with COVID going on, you even got the union trying to see if they can, you know, get rid of the preseason this this year to just go into the regular season. Yeah, because I know that recently they announced that they were going to implement a two-season preseason, mm-hmm. mainly due to the coronavirus and the potential impact it can have, obviously. But that was something that was talked about, I think, might have happened regardless. I think it would have waited a season or two, but I think the virus really kind of pushed um, it. Yeah, really pushed the ticket on that one. But for the other side of this whole equation, you got New England out here who, fun fact, is the only team to lose an MVP quarterback in one season and gain one <laughs> in that same season, which <laughs> I found pretty cool. It is interesting, but – I mean, it's been a while since he's been an MVP. So true, true. I don't, true. I don't. I see that he's really working really hard to, you know, gain, like he said, gain respect from other, you know, players, teams to show that he can still play. But it's all going to be down to if he gets injured or not. I really see yeah. that being the point in all of this. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a, it's definitely a new look for the Patriots. I mean, I I think it's a good move for multiple reasons. Obviously, you have a veteran quarterback who, at one point in his career, played at MVP caliber level and made it to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He he's a mobile quarterback, which hasn't been a thing in, really in the Patriots' offensive scheme since I want to say the last one was Steve Grogan, but. I mean, because I also think it helps because Stidham is more of a mobile quarterback yeah. than you would think, yeah. and I think the 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 mindset and the playing style of Cam Newton can help out Stidham as well because because we don't know who's guaranteed whether Cam's guaranteed the starting job or not. Yeah, no, because I because I think no. he said the only reason he signed was because he he was guaranteed a chance to win the starting position because every other team told him that he wouldn't have a chance. Cause I know really the only two teams even talked to him because it was, it was the New England Patriots and the Cleveland Browns, but the Browns weren't going to offer him a chance at the starting job. So he took, I'm pretty sure less money with the Patriots to be given a, a guaranteed shot at getting the starting position as opposed to, like, no doubt sitting the bench unless Baker went down with an injury or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and back to the money thing, too. He took a a big pay cut to what he normally get. There's a lot of players you could say he's better than making, than making a lot more money than him. And you got to give him respect for taking that low pay cut just, to, just so that he get a shot at the starting job. Yeah, and that's, that's what he said. He's he said it wasn't about the money. He just wants to get that respect back. And I I can 
absolutely respect that. Yeah, it's good. It's I think it's a new chapter. Obviously, it's a new chapter for not only Brady, the Patriots, but I mean Cam Newton's career because I think, and he's he's made public statements about this about his exit in Carolina. That it it wasn't as cut and dry like neutral as maybe people thought it was, because he he's flat out said that he did not want to leave Carolina. And then they just threw in Teddy Bridgewater. And from a football perspective, if you get a healthy Cam Newton competing with Teddy Bridgewater, I feel like that's your best shot at getting a starting quarterback as opposed to um, Will Greer, Kyle Allen, and Teddy Bridgewater. But yeah. Again, that's not an NFL GM. <laughs> but, I mean, sometimes they can make bad decisions too, right? I mean. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But so even so I'm look Sorry, even 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 still with Cam if there's no, you know, obviously there's no he gets the starting job right away but or not, but even still if first Bill Palachek still believed in Stidham on how he could work and I truly did think he could do somewhat decently. And to have Cam come in and be able to work with him, because they're both from they're both from Auburn. Yep, that's a connection, right? That's the connection right there. And now Stidham can work with Cam, especially as Stidham can being that mobile QB and learn ways that Cam kind of work in his game. Yeah, I. I think it's definitely probably the smartest thing Bill could have done given the amount of cap space we had, which was not a lot. Um, but also given the situation, because, I mean, <laughs> in a perfect world, Tom Brady would still be a New England Patriot and we wouldn't be talking about Cam Newton in New England. <laughs> but, again, that world doesn't exist, so... <laughs> But back to the money thing, I'm looking at a list of play- people who are making more or could make more than Cam Newton because his base salary is like half a mil- half a million. It's like 550K around something like that. Mm-hmm. And the seven and a half or seven and a quarter million, majority of that is all incentive-based salary. So he could make just 550, 100K this season if he like doesn't like meet those incentives whether it's playing time not getting injured passing percentage yards or whatever I'm sure those are pretty much make up all the incentives but you got people like you got backups like Case Keenum AJ McCarron Chase Daniel Jameis Winston still makes more than him and then (laughs) Also on this list is Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen. However, those are because of either rookie deals or yeah, they're rookie deals because I think this coming off season, Patrick Mahomes is going to be a free agent technically. Um, then you got Colt McCoy, 
Josh Rosen, who's been on, like, I feel, five different NFL teams. Nathan Peterman, who (laughs) (laughs) still has jobs somehow. You got Matt Schaub. Oh, wow, I did not know Matt Schaub was still in the NFL. Jeez. (laughs) And Nate Sudfield, Chad Henney, Ryan Griffin. Colts rookie quarterback Jacob Eason can make more money than – Cam Newton could this year. Jeez, that that like, no offense to those guys, but I mean, like with Cam, seeing how high you know a role and ability he has compared to those guys, yeah, that's pretty different. Yeah, and I mean, like I don't think it because I know Richard Sherman made a statement sounding all mad about how much he was paid, but I think you got to look at it from both perspectives of that. He hasn't played a full season yeah. in a couple of years. Yeah. Because and his injuries, you can tell, have impacted his play. Oh, big and For, like, the first time in a long time, there's not a ton of need, like, immediate quarterback need, like, in years past. Because either teams are building around young quarterbacks – or trying out, like, last-minute projects, whether it's, like, I mean, you got the Bears. Like, I think we talked about in our first episode Cam Newton possibly going to, like, the Bears. But now they're trying Trubisky and Nick Foles. So, I think the pay – I mean, it was – I'm surprised the Browns made an inquiry into signing Cam. I mean, it's not a bad choice if you were going to be the backup, but for Cam, that wasn't – the way he wanted to go. And I think, honestly, his next best bet was New England in terms of if he could get the starting job because not really any other team is looking for, like, a third player in the quarterback competition. If they are, they already have their third player. Yeah. So, speaking of the Browns, um, Cleveland Browns tight end – David Njoku has demanded a trade this past week. And there hasn't been any details yet released about if he has any specific team he wants to be traded to or like a list. But again, the Patriots have come up in potential suitors based on the need for tight end in New England. So looking at that for the first time, I feel like that would be nice. But we have two young tight ends that we got in the draft that we could possibly turn into pretty solid players. I don't know if cap space and financial things will work out because we didn't have a lot of money before, Cam, and I highly doubt we have any money, if anything, to have any new player added to the team. And we would have to give up a lot to probably get him even though the Browns did sign Austin Hooper this past offseason, which I think was a good move because you got a good killer duo in the tight end position. However, I can see how that would mess with Njoku. Probably loses the starting job, or even if he doesn't, it cuts playing time for him. So I can see that too. Yeah. I mean, for for me, when I heard that he demanded the trade, it 
it 100% surprised me. It wasn't a, something I really thought about. Looking more into the details with the whole Austin Hooper signing, it makes more sense, but it's like it's still not something I really expected to happen. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you got to. I mean, this off season, even aside from Cam Newton and Tom Brady, you got a ton of moves being made. Cause, and like, start like people in the draft who we've talked about for the past two or three years who are finally in the NFL who are like, these are these are going to be the guys we're talking about in like ten to fifteen years. Like we're talking about Brady Manning, like we talked about, or people talked about Lawrence Taylor and like people like that. Because you got. You got Chase Young, who's probably one of the biggest defensive names to come out of the draft since, I mean, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. Yeah. And then, obviously, you got Tua. Joe Burrow became a superstar overnight (laughs) at LSU. (laughs) You have the underdog story of Jalen Hurts, who I still don't know why the Eagles drafted him, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the weird one. <laughs> it's it's going to be a, it's a new chapter in the NFL in terms of players franchises changing and like the scope of I guess competition because you got you got teams like the Bills now who honestly I think well I mean I think they had a shot the past couple of seasons but probably now have the best shot they've had in the past 20 years to take the AFC East and really do something in the AFC playoffs. And, and they were close last, last season. I mean, that who who they faced last season in the playoffs? Was it the Texans? Yeah. 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 It was the Texans. I mean, yeah, yeah, Texans. That was, I mean, I think I was watching that. That was a close game and they actually gave a pretty good fight. And if they reached past that game, I think they could have put up another fight. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's a wild card run. They had, they were, they were winning 16, 16 to eight by the end of the third quarter, and they ended up losing nineteen to twenty-two. Nineteen to twenty-two because the Texans scored eleven points in the fourth quarter and then got the field goal, obviously in overtime. Yeah, but I mean that's that's like that's almost one of those things you want to say like that's a couple plays difference between the Bills winning that game and the Texans. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and honestly, the Bills I think had a way better off season than the Texans. Yes. Yeah, the te- I mean the Texans. They lost DeAndre Hopkins. Like, yes, they lost the player that they're that you could say their offense kind of revolved around. That's going to yeah. take a big hit to them too. That leaves the Sean Watson having like no targets and no threats, where he's going to have to do something kind of like improvising on his own. Yeah, I, it's because I mean he. I remember when that happened, he was very upset because I don't think he was even told about it. So he found out when it happened. So it's yeah, like, no, he was living. You're just going to trade away. You're going to trade away my star wideout and you expect me not to be upset, you know? Um, I still think the Texans are going to be competitive, obviously. 
But I, I think it's definitely going to be – I feel like it's going to be a year that they might not do as well as you think because the amount of shift of – because, I mean, similar to when Gronk in his prime and Brady on the Patriots, you had the game plan around certain players on that team, just like with all the other NFL tops offenses, whether it was Green Bay, Atlanta – or the Chiefs, like, you had to plan around Gronk, you have to plan around Tyreek Hill, back when Kareem Hunt was on the Chiefs, but now, like, even Damian Williams, um, obviously Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, I mean, with the Texans, you had to plan around DeAndre Hopkins, and without that, I think it opens up, it helps defenses more so, because they don't have to focus, okay, this guy is, if not one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, we have to shut him down. So I think that that just takes a level of competitiveness away because you don't have that much of a star on the team that obviously he he made a difference in his gameplay, but just his presence alone changed the way that teams played against them. Big time. Because, I mean, so you got the Bills. The Bills have a chance of taking the AFC East, which would be the first time anyone's taken it since the Dolphins did the year Brady went down. <laughs> Miami has the tools to rebuild to be a force. How long that takes to happen, however, is still up in the air. Because I think they had one of the best off-seasons a team could have also between the draft and free agency, pick, free agency pickups. Yeah, but I still I still question the Dolphins like decision makings, I guess. <laughs> like how they put played and how they work them around. So we'll see. I mean with yeah. Ryan Flores it'll probably be better. Cause he was kind of put into the job at first and he didn't really have much to deal with. But it could be better now with him being able to have complete control, I guess. Yeah, and, I mean, you got the Jets who are they, – they seem like they have all the pieces, but they get – they just be the Jets. I mean, you yeah. got Adam Gates, <laughs> yeah. like, There's fighting with his players, saying he's going to trade one of them one day. is like, nope, never mind. And now they're actually looking into trading Jamal Adams now, which that creates lock locker room buzz. And then you got you got Sam Darnold who – Amazingly performs, like, amazingly against almost every team in the NFL except the Patriots. And I don't know if it's a Jets-Patriots thing. I'll just – I'll never forget when, when, Troy, when you were telling me about how he was saying in uh, the game this past season, first game, I think it was Jets at Patriots early in the season when, I mean, we, we just tore him apart. Like he was saying, he was seeing ghosts on the Patriots defense. It's like, I feel like that might be the thing that holds him back. But I also think it, it more so is a leadership standpoint. I, I don't think Adam Gaze is the one to lead that team. But no, he's I, not. I, I really don't see any authority or leadership from anywhere, from coaching staff or even up in management. I really don't. 
Yeah, I'd I'd yeah. say I'd agree. I say the Jets have the on-field talent, but they don't have the coaches or the management to help them out, and that's where they're going to fail. Yeah, and with all their on-field talent, but with all these you know decision makings that's not turning out the way it should be, it's making players like Jamal Adams want to leave. You know. Yeah, and it's it's part of that whole because I remember a few years ago there was that whole thing with the Texans organization about I think the owner said something that the players hated like he compared the players to like like your like your mind I own you which that's I don't it that you shouldn't say that whether you're you own a business my, or. Because, like, theoretically, like, from a business standpoint, the players are employees of the owner of the team. But to say you own the players is a little, it's a, like. That's a little bit much there. Yeah. yeah. Like, if I'm a player and, like, my my coach or my GM says that, I'm going to be like, I'm not playing for you. Yeah, You're no. just going to say you own me? I'm not okay with that. Got some uh, sirens in the background. Nice, nice. <laughs> no, so no one can say anything about the sirens because it wasn't me. I'm it in was, my it, basement right now. It was from me. <laughs> I can, yeah, oh. I'm, I'm in my basement. <laughs> like, yeah, well, <laughs> pretty sure there's not like cops or an ambulance upstairs, but. Like outside my house, but like maybe maybe I should go check. <laughs> but I I think it's just you look at teams who have bad chemistry between leadership coaches and the coaching staff, coaching staff to players, and then players to owners. It's kind of like the the circle of the team and chemistry, and it's like you you can see how obvious like that impacts the team's success because I mean. I don't know if there's any other team who had better chemistry between the three of them, whether other than the Patriots the past 20 years, because you had Kraft, Bill, and Brady. Granted, it had its ups and downs, definitely, especially in the last five years between Kraft doing his thing in Florida, Bill's questionable <laughs> cause, whether it was Malcolm <laughs> Butler in the Super Bowl. Oh, God. <laughs> trading Garoppolo when he did, or um, – Brady's trainer, the whole TV 12 thing, getting everybody in on that jazz and stuff. It's like, because I mean, we can, we can sit back and see how that kind of affected how things turned out. Cause I mean, you look at, you look at the Malcolm Butler thing in the Super Bowl. Brady said that the loss of the Eagles in that Super Bowl is, was really the end thing for him. Like that was really what. And it's like, could that really have come down to putting Malcolm Butler in that Super Bowl? Like, could Tom Brady be a New England Patriot this very moment had Malcolm Butler played in that Super Bowl? Because I personally feel like, I, I, I mean, obviously we can't guarantee that the Patriots would have won that Super Bowl, but I feel like it would have been a heck of a lot harder for the Eagles to win that Super Bowl had Malcolm Butler been in that game. Like, like, and, like, he was dressed. 
Like watching the pregame stuff, you would have thought he was playing and going to start. I, I think that's what we all thought. Yeah, he then you got Eric Rowe marching on the field and trips trying to cover Alshon <laughs> Jeffrey, who takes the ball to the house, and it's essentially game over. And I mean, I know that doesn't necessarily affect the strip sack at the end, but I, I, you, it's one of those things where it's it's one of those what if questions, you know. Yeah, with the strips that comes down to, are we in that scenario though? If Malcolm Butler's in the game, yeah, it, it's kind of like a stack of dominoes that's led from that game to where we are now, and I and I think you can see that with other teams in other leagues too. I mean, you can look at the Red Sox, the MLB. Not, I mean, you can look at. You can look at the Cavs being shaken almost every other year between LeBron and star moves they make. You can look at the Lakers. You can look at the Pelicans. You can look like – because you had that whole move, the whole era of the, um, like, super teams in the NBA, and now it's kind of turning more into dynamic duos. But it's definitely it's it's interesting, and I I kind of think it's cool to look at certain things, and it's like, wow, this really like, believe it or not, this one little thing is the whole reason why all this happened. Like, it, and you could say that about the beginning of Brady's career, you know, like, yeah. From his decision to not play baseball, because he was drafted by the Montreal Expos, so he could have been a baseball player. Between that, getting drafted in the sixth round, pick 199 by the Patriots, and to Drew Bledsoe's injury, like, I think that. No, I don't think any Patriots fan watching that draft. Heck, I don't think anyone watched the draft back in 2000 or even cared until the game started thought that Tom Brady would become six-time Super Bowl champion, ex-MVP, GOAT, you know? Yeah. Or even after the Bledsoe injury. I mean, because the Super Bowl that same year, Bledsoe, there was talk about they might like, should they play Bledsoe instead of Brady, you know? And the rest is history, obviously. Well, I mean, yeah... Uh, when Bledsoe even got hurt, Patriots fans just kind of—they didn't really know who the who this Tom Brady kid was. They're just like he's replacing Drew Bledsoe, who's hurt, and like that's our season. We're not going to have any success without him. And they make it yep. to the Super Bowl. Yep. And then yep. five more, and I—I I saw this really cool thing where Brady wasn't even supposed to be the one who entered the game. But I'm pretty sure what happened was that the backup didn't, like, his helmet wasn't ready or his helmet wasn't on. And, like, Bill called him into the game, but he wasn't ready. So then he called on Brady. And then, obviously, the, after that, the rest is history. I can't confirm that exactly, but I heard that. I saw that somewhere. I'd love to know if that's actually legit. Look at that. What? Nick causing speculations. <laughs> hey, you know... <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, in back, like, the overall thing, what we've been talking about, just the dramatic change 
the NFL has. Obviously, the pandemic has rocked the sports worldwide. The NFL, too, even though the season hasn't started in the world. But, like, just even outside of the coronavirus, how, like, different the NFL is going to look going forward. Because, I mean, this is a – it's going to be a new era of success for certain teams. New rules and, like, new setups and everything. It's for, like, the next 10 to 20 years. Kind of like what happened in the early thousands with what we've witnessed mm-hmm. the past 10 years or so. So It's going to be an exciting new era. Speaking of new and exciting, I am excited for playoff hockey. <laughs> yeah. Troy, I don't know if you want to touch on that more. Uh, yeah, I will. Um, so recently, the NHL did announce their return to play plan, which they picked out the top 12 teams from each conference for a total of 12 teams of 24, uh, a total of 24 <laughs> teams to play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the way they're doing it is that they're they said the regular season's over, so that does mean the Bruins won the President's Trophy. Leon Draisaitl won the Art Ross's uh, leading scorer in the league, and David Pasternak and Alex Ovechkin both won the Maurice Richard for most goal for most goals. And for the return to play, they picked out the top four from each conference will play a round robin against each other. So the Boston Bruins, Tampa Bay Lightning, Washington Capitals, the Philadelphia Flyers will play round robins against each other to decide for the final seating. And in the West, the St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, Vegas Golden Knights, and Dallas Stars. And for the other teams, it's a there. Each conference has four best of five qualifying rounds. Um, and those in the East are Pittsburgh and Montreal, Carolina and the New York Rangers, the New York Islanders, and the Florida Panthers, and finally the Toronto Maple Leafs and Columbus Blue Jackets. And in the West, it's Edmonton and Chicago, Nashville and Arizona, Vancouver and Minnesota, and Calgary and Winnipeg. And actually, one thing that makes the qualifying run very interesting this year is that last week, the NHL had the draft lottery, and they have to do a second lottery because one team that loses in the qualifying rounds will get the first overall pick. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's a lot. It's, it's, it's annoying because the – Person supposed to go first overall this year, Alexis Lafrenette, supposed to be the next big thing. And that means a team like the Edmonton Oilers could end up with him to pair him with McDavid and Drysaddle, or the Penguins to pair him with Malkin and Crosby, which is why a lot of people are mad about the way they did the draft lottery this year because of that. It's like to me that, like, that, how does that make. To me, at least, that doesn't make sense because why would a team that's guaranteed success in the season be guaranteed the first overall pick? Like, shouldn't that go to a team that didn't make the playoffs at the very least? Yeah, and I mean, only seven teams were in the draft lottery because 24 get to play. And I don't think that those, like, 12 in the qualifying round should even be considered for it. I think that they should have played the qualifying round and then done a draft lottery with the seven teams that didn't get to play plus the teams that eliminated in the qualifying round. Because now teams theoretically could blow their qualifying round series to try to get a chance at Alexis Lafrenette. Huh, that's crazy. 
So, like, could it still technically go to a team that's not in the qualifying round? Or it's no, like it that, is guaranteed to one of the losers of the qualifying round. Guarantee one of the losers of the qualifying rounds. What it came out That's crazy. The seven teams in it were the Kings, the Sharks, whose pick actually was in the Senators from the from the Eric Carlson trade a couple years ago. Um so the Senators had two picks and the Red Wings, Senators, Ducks, Devils, and Sabres. And the Red Wings who were just awful this year didn't even get a top three pick because the draft lottery, unfortunately, does screw you out of the first overall pick many times. It happens more often than not, actually. Wow. Wow. I mean, so looking at all these matchups, do you think there's potential for, like, upsets or how, how do you, how do you see it play out? Because, I mean, I don't, I don't know a ton about teams, like rosters in the NHL and stuff. Um, I know a little bit more than I used to now, but you definitely know a lot more than I do. Yeah. Um, there definitely are uh, some series in the qualifying round to keep an eye on. Like Pittsburgh and Montreal should be a good series, even though Pittsburgh is the five and Montreal is the 12. But I still think that could be a good series. I personally think that the Rangers, who are the 11, are going to upset the Carol are going to upset Carolina, just because might not carry on over into when they start playing August, but the Rangers were on quite the hot streak. And actually Carolina was one of the, one of two teams to originally say no to the return to play format because they didn't want to play the Rangers in the qualifying round. So with that being said, if a team who's in the qualifying round elects to not play is that an automatic win or does another team replace them like let's say one of the seven teams that wasn't put into the 24 team pool do they get put in to replace or is that an automatic win i think that they just have i think they actually just have to play and i think that well they had a meeting i think it was with all the owners and the hurricanes and i don't remember the other team was but they also only two teams said no and they were just like too bad 29 teams said yes, you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty... Like, do you want to play hockey or not? Like, do you want to play hockey or not? So... Have they left left it open to players, like, specifically to be able to opt out? Um, I'm assuming they have, but I haven't heard any news about any players opting out. Um, I mean, they are... I know that they are taking drastic options like the east teams are going to be forced to stay in one city while the west are in another and they can't leave the hotel they're in in those they haven't officially said what those cities are but it's assumed that it will be toronto and edmonton they were going to pick vegas for one city but then vegas had a spike in the fire so they couldn't do it yeah because i think it was this past week that i don't know if edmonton was confirmed but they were definitely talking about it this past week the tough part with edmonton though is that Edmonton, I learned yesterday, does not have any hotels. Wow, that and, would be problematic. And there, there's a rumor that, like, the mayor of Edmonton is like, no, it's fine, people will give up their homes for the NHL players because we love hockey. And I don't, uh... I, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and, yeah, you're a hockey player, but I would not give up my home just so you could just do it. Like, <laughs> where are you going to go? 
<laughs> and they're, they're not going to be playing for like a couple weeks. They're going to be playing for like a couple months. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not giving up my home for months. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure you got some people who are like, oh my gosh, Kevin, this star, this star living in my house for a cool thing. Yeah, the thing is, you probably wouldn't be living in the house with them. Yeah, you're going to have to go find get, somewhere like, to stay. Free rides to games. <laughs> you, you probably wouldn't get covered or anything by the NHL. They just be like, thanks for I mean, letting I us hope use you your would, house. But like, <laughs> like in the United States, because I know this is Canada, in the United States, it like we can, we have it like it's in the Constitution where a soldier can't just come and be like, oh, I'm staying here now. Like, we, yeah. like, like I mean, at first, if like Tom Brady, if, if like the Patriots would have walked into my house, and be like, we're staying here for like the first few days, it'd be like. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that'd be cool. Thing, Julian Edelin and me used the same toilet <laughs> at one point. You know, like he <laughs> grabbed the water from the same fridge. We both sat like on the same couch. Like, but then, like after a week, it'd be like I'm stuck in like Motel Six for two or three months because yeah, it'd be annoying. <laughs> yeah, and I have no and, idea if and... I get covered. <laughs> You wouldn't be able to like leave your house and all either yeah. if you're staying with them because they're going out playing games. Yeah, and they're not allowed to leave the house. So why should you be allowed to leave the house? Yeah, you'd almost be become their servant because you'd have to like think about it. You'd have to probably figure out a way to get food to them and all that stuff. And like, like all right, well I got five big guys now in my house, so like all right, more food. Yeah, and like soap. Uh, yeah. Uh, Toothbrushes, toothpaste, deodorant, um, <laughs> pillows, and blankets. Like, that's, I mean, the next best option is convert, like, shopping malls and things into mini apartments. But, like, I don't think that's pleasant for the players either. No. Yeah, I mean, they're, I'm sure they're going to find a way to do it, whether it's pick Edmonton or not. Or maybe there's there could be hotels in the surrounding cities around Edmonton. I don't know about the landscape up there. I never really looked at a map of Alberta or anything. So is there uh, I'm sure is there a reason why they're two Canadian cities as opposed to either a Canadian or like why only Vegas was considered an option in the US? Cuz uh, I Well, they they had a list of I think like around 10 cities and I think they're going with the Canadian cities just cuz Canada has done a better job of containing the virus than America has. Like, America's now, right before they're supposed to be going back and players are even going back to practice now, are now getting spikes all over the country. Yeah, that is true. And Canada's kept it pretty, like, well-maintained for the entire time. Obviously, people are getting, people are dying, but not as much as America. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a country that can really say with a straight face that they're okay in terms of the virus, but, you know, I think out of all the countries, I think Canada and North America, I think Canada has probably done the best. I don't know about anything in Mexico. But... Yeah, I'm pretty sure in, in North America, Canada's done the best. Obviously, there's other places in the world, like New Zealand, who's, I think New Zealand's, like, they have that zero deaths, but they're not going to send the players to New Zealand to play. Yeah. I don't think ice rinks exist in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> So, do you think that there's a potential? Because I mean, 
I watched playoff hockey for the first time last season, and I best decision I made probably in that entire <laughs> year. Which you can you can argue whether that is because of my 2019-2020 or because the playoffs were that great. We that could be a whole nother different podcast, but um, like because I mean you had so many upsets at least that I can remember because there were teams where I think it was like the Calgary Flames. And the lightning got swept in like the first uh, round, yeah. and the lightning had set. They were like the Golden State Warriors and set like the regular season wins record and had single digit losses. Yeah, that was insane. I remember watching the game. They got. I don't think I watched it. My brother was watching it in the room, and he came out, and he was like, he was like, the Tampa Lightning are going to get swept, and I was like, you're joking, and he was just said come into my room I did and I see the screen and they're down by like three goals with only like a minute left and I'm like wow Tampa Bay is getting swept after like setting regular season records oh no <laughs> which made it easier for the Bruins to go on their run them. we got to play the Blue Jackets in the second round and not the Tampa Bay Lightning yeah and then we screwed the pooch against the blue the Blues in game seven yeah. that, that's not fun. Yeah. That that got me really upset. <laughs> we played yeah. so good, and I think it was game game six. In games like one through six, yeah. like we played good. Even oh, no, it's just, anyway. I that was right after my graduation. I was in a restaurant eating with my family friend, and I just watched that game, and then um, that ruined the rest of the night. <laughs> Oh, oh man, that's a vibe killer. <laughs> yeah. Congrats. You graduated high school. Oh wow, the brilliant stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I haven't cuz I know a lot of as you said Troy, a lot of teams that are starting to practice together again have found a lot of spikes whether it's in college football or um I think it's also impacted the NFL a little bit too but also the NBA. So, um, Diego, I don't know, has – because I know the Premier League finished up this past – Yeah. This past week or two, like – because they they at one point had no positive test, and I don't – I know they had a few more a few days ago, but, like, they had. what have they done? um, They've – they have no bubble or anything like that, kind of like the NBA is doing. They don't have that, the Premier League. But it's it's not a worry for them because they've kind of been able to contain a lot. But, I mean, they've had some, you know, resurgences of spikes and everything. But it's not to where the point where they're worried about anything. And they finished up with, I mean, Nick, your Liverpool being the yeah. – yeah, I know, like, two players on that team. <laughs> <laughs> but, go uh, Liverpool. They have the same owner as the Red Sox. That's the only reason why, oh, the reason that's, why I like that's, that's why. Okay, I see. Okay, I see. I feel like I told you that. I, yeah. I knew I told you that at one point. But, um, so they won. But right now, I'm at Bundesliga, the German league. Bayern Munich also won the, the league. Um, right now, La Liga, the Spain's league is still going right now with, looks like Real Madrid is going to be the winners. Uh, they're kind of 
up top of the leaderboard. But Barcelona is kind of keep chipping in. They keep losing points, but they also kind of like the next game they come back closer. So that's kind. Of, but it's kind of been different because honestly, because of the whole break that all these players have had, it kind of been like uh, not the classic soccer matches that you would think you'd see. It's more. Mm-hmm. It's more. I don't know how to say it. It's more freestyle, more like it's not as well oriented. Like you can see, the players are out of place in terms of like chemistry and like shape. Yeah, like especially chemistry, like knowing where everyone's going to be at, like how they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, Juventus had some big upsets. They um, they were big, big uh, to win for the uh, Italian leagues cup, not their title, but not their league title, but kind of like their domestic cup. And Juventus lost to it. Ronaldo missed the penalty shot and led to AC Milan going for the finals for it. And the other thing with soccer, the Champions League is set to come back and finish off near, I think they were doing the quarter of 16 or where they left off in Lisbon. I think I said that right. That's pretty much it that's going on right now. It's kind of, oh, and MLS is coming back in doing kind of the bubble thing that uh, and the NBA is doing. So, like, they're picking one city to play in and kind of thing? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they did a whole plan on how, like, how they're going to go about, like, what teams and everything that they're going to do about. But it's going to be a, very different. And I've seen some of the soccer matches, and it's very different, especially with the whole fan situation. Uh I know in all sports, fans are important, but especially with soccer, you just you get this sense of like amazing, amazing excitement and a whole different vibe. And not having that is a lot different. Even just watching some games on TV with it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's gonna be something that a lot of sports atmospheres are gonna realize because I mean. I think baseball is still yet to decide officially whether they're going to allow fans in the stadiums, but the NBA isn't going to have fans. Yeah. Troy, I don't know if you have they, has the NHL st- said anything about fans yet. Um, they won't. They're not going to be in the stands. Like at all? Like not yeah, even I mean, limited? Just no, none. no, just none. And it's tough, but it's what they got to, it's what they have to do. Yeah, yeah. Especially for like. I know in the NHL, when there's a fight, the crowd really gets you into it. It can be why you fight. And in the NBA, you make a big play. You, you literally play to the crowd. You start hyping them up, and now they can't do that. It kind of takes away from some of the excitement. Yeah. Yeah. How, so, Diego was talking about how, like, you can kind of see the obvious effects of, like, chemistry. And I would assume it also, like, players' own personal shape because, I mean – Obviously, you're going to have players who probably had different skill levels, but because of the chemistry they had built up, they were able to gel 
and play well together, even if some of them weren't as strong as others. But, like, now, without that chemistry, all it is is physical talent and physical ability. So, like, you have some players who didn't have the physical skill, like, the skills to, like, probably compete with their the star players. But, like, they may not even have the same training regimen. And, like, who knows how physically fit some of these guys are. So, like, do you think it'll be as big of an impact in hockey as it is soccer? Because, I mean, in soccer, you got – 11 players trying to, like, create chemistry, similar to, like, the people do in hockey with terms of passing and stuff. But, like, do you think it'll still happen, or do you feel like it could be easier or harder with hockey? Um, I definitely think it will still happen, but I'm, I don't think it'll be nearly as big as it is in, like, soccer. Um, I mean, I think the biggest impact with that stuff in the NHL would be a team like the Rangers who were on a hot streak are now, now that just had to abruptly end like teams that were either, they were really hot. They were really cold. That just is all gone. Now. I think that's where the biggest impact will happen in the NHL. I don't think that, I think chemistry will definitely take a hit, but I know that players are getting back in the rink now. Like if someone that brightened up my day, I think it was last week was, Bergeron and Marchand back in the rink again in that in uh, Boston practicing together, but I don't think any team has gotten their entire team together. I don't think they might not be allowed to either. Might be a yeah. number of players thing. And you know, it's funny talk, talking about how you know the train the training of these players. Sometimes they can be their training regimens and the shape of their physicality can could have altered. I've a lot. I've seen some players too not just in soccer, but other sports, but in soccer, I've seen a lot of it. Sometimes it's the opposite too. Like some of these guys have been in better shape than they were when they originally playing. It's just funny to see see comparisons of the two, you know, like you got players that lost some of their physicality, but Mm -hmm. others gaining completely that you didn't see beforehand. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm sure, like, people like Messi and Ronaldo can afford all the the hot and the top, like, biggest fitness stuff money can buy. And, I mean, I'm yeah. sure it's similar with people in the NBA. I mean, I and I think it might even help people because, I mean, we talked about earlier with Cam Newton. He's had a lot more time to train, physically train on his own and, like, help with his own, like, personal injuries and all that stuff and get his own skills honed. And, like, and I'm not saying it would be, like, a bad thing. Like, he doesn't have to worry about chemistry with a team because he wasn't on one. But it, I think it, for him, it, it's going to help him more as a player because he himself would be ready to play, or at least we hope so. But, like, it looks like he's getting ready to play so that when he does come to New England and starts practicing with the guys, we we doesn't have to worry about being injury promo, prone all the time or like physical limitations. So I think it'll be interesting to see when hockey comes back, the NBA comes back, and as we continue to see um, soccer go, and as baseball starts later this month too, yeah. how that kind of plays into everything. But it, again, it's just another one of those things that the virus has done because it, it's almost like putting a reset, kind of like. It's a whole nother off season and the season's starting fresh now and it's 
almost going to be like on paper who's got a better chance as opposed to each team because all the chemistry, hot streaks, even cold streaks that were going on are all gone and been dormant. And it's like, I highly doubt the adrenaline and the the impact and like psychologically that's going to continue. If it does, (laughs) good. Like if the Rangers start hot again, good for them. I mean, I I don't know. You know, in soccer, it's kind of weird talking about off-season. Yeah, they're, but for a lot of these players, they're year-round. They have international stuff. They have not just their preseason for their clubs, but they got international tournaments, international practices. You know, so it's different for them, especially having a sort of type of off-season, say. And I forgot to mention also, Messi scored his 700th goal. Like yesterday or something. Seven hundred goals. Yep. I think I scored one in high school, and I had like <laughs> three own goals. So I mean, <laughs> technically, I scored four with a net of like <laughs> negative two, negative three. <laughs> but four went in the net. <laughs> Speaking of like player injuries, I mean. Moving on to the NBA, I, um, one of the biggest name players to opt out of the season, I think it was either today or yesterday, was Victor Oladipo. Yeah, and he said it's because of he wants to help like further get healthy. But I, I also think it obviously has something to do with virus impacts because no, a lot of these players in the NBA just the they're not because of COVID, they think it's still not that safe, which is understandably, you know, reasonable. And some of these, yeah. some of these players just want to be with their families, and that is one hundred percent, you know, obviously a reason to stay. Because I think I can't remember if it was Avery Bradley, because I know he's one. He he was one of the first, if not the first, to opt out of the season. But there's yeah. other, there are other players who have opted out because, like, they've said like. I got a pregnant wife at home, and I don't want to take the risk of bringing it back to her or the kid when it's born. And they're like, I, it's totally understandable, you know. Yeah, and I, and I, I th- personally, I think it's a responsible thing to do. I know that it probably doesn't help your team, but you lose money. But I feel like the safety of the family would come first in this case. Yeah, and I think it's just personal preference, you know. And it's like doesn't mean that people who decide to play are irresponsible or stupid. It's just, it's personal preference. Yeah. You have to decide what's best for you and your family. Yeah. And another thing with the NBA is a whole weird thing is how this free agency thing is working out. Like you can sign some players for this bubble kind of resume and how that's going to work out on the contracts later on. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Because J.R. Smith was just signed by the Lakers. Yeah. Theoretically, as a replacement for Avery Bradley, whether he has as many minutes as him is another It's another topic for just a discussion. But I think it's... And I think the Clippers signed Joaquin Noah. Hmm. Up for, for the bubble. Because I think one of their players opted out, so they kind of chose him. I wonder how I wonder how this affects the contracts for G League players, especially like people who had two way contracts. Because I know Taco Fall had a two way contract. Yeah, 
and I believe Tremont Waters did. And I mean, turns out they want. I think Taco Fall either won Defensive Player of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, or like Rookie of the Year, and Tremont Waters won like MVP or Rookie of the Year for the G League. Which I mean, good for them and good for the Celtics, but be interesting to see if yeah. G League players could come up, or if that's like, or if it's like they just been shut down for the year. Yeah, be interesting. yeah I don't, I don't know how that works. Um, I'm just kind of excited for the NBA to come back, and it's it's just weird because like how they have this scheduled, the ending of. The, really this the season of whatever this bubble season you want to call it or whatever now they only have like two months or so to then start the next season again yeah well i mean even at that point i mean it could be a delayed season beginning because who knows what the yeah who knows, yeah, who knows. either a second wave or yeah. whether we haven't contained this current um pandemic so i mean Again, it's one of those things where all these leagues and people's lives are going to be determined based on taking things monthly, weekly, and daily. Because, I mean, things change. Things can change overnight for a family. Things can change weekly for a business and monthly for a league. Because, I mean, two mo- like a month or two ago, we wouldn't, we weren't talking about leagues opening. We were still debating whether they would happen at all. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I think it's going to be a good thing for fans and on, I would say the morale of like majority of like the country and stuff, just because I mean, with everything going on, people are stuck inside. You have all this stuff with politics and all that. And I, I just think. People, people miss sports. I mean, I think that's just the bottom line. People miss sports. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I would probably do without sports. And this whole pandemic thing has just been driving me crazy, especially without sports. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I, I. And with UFC, when I first heard that, you know, this technically was the first one to come back live, I was psyched, you know, because now it brings something at least to start. And now all these other sports are following after the UFC. So is this the is this first fight Masvidal versus Usman? I have no idea if I said that right, but... Usman Usman, sorry for pronouncing your name wrong. Excuse his name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this fight is con- the fight is confirmed now, and it's gonna be interesting because a lot, especially fans, a lot have been kind of waiting for this. It's kind of been dodged a lot. Um, I'd say more on just management side not staying it up because. Honestly, both fighters were fine fighting each other. They had no problem with it. But it's finally it's finally coming around and fans are excited. Especially with this whole the fight island. I mean Yeah, I mean 
Talk about power move. You know, instead of like trying to find a city or in like hotels and stuff, <laughs> we're gonna get an island. A we're gonna use island. that. <laughs> like, talk up. Like, forget you guys in the NBA taking over Disney World, and forget like the NHL. You're gonna take over cities in Canada. We have our own island. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Have fun in Disney. We'll be on a tropical <laughs> island having the time of our lives. <laughs> and, yeah. and this whole fight island is bringing, bringing about, you know, top names in the UFC fighting each other. And it's going to be a great thing to see. Yeah. I, I saw videos of Masvidal. Like it's a video of his infamous like the knock the quick knockout where he just leaped into the air and just kneed yeah. the guy in the head. Yeah, his, yeah, his knee, knockout. His knee. him practicing it before the fight, and it's it just because they compared that with a move like they did a similar thing with McGregor with like a, a combo he did with the with his left and right hooks for a quick knockout. Then yeah. practicing it before, and it's, just, it's crazy to see the work these guys do. So I mean into the training thing. I mean, these guys have been working, like... That's crazy. If nothing. I think... Don't quote me on this, but I think I heard or read somewhere where, like, Connors, I think it, his le- just his left hand is, like, the, the force of it is, like, a huge hammer coming in around, like, a oh, fast speed, like, like... So imagine just having a huge object coming at you at a fast speed that just isn't normal for that size coming at you. Like a hammer? Yeah. Like a like kind of like a big hammer, you know what I mean? Like more like the not a regular hammer, but maybe something more like a Thor's hammer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, coming at you at like 20 or something miles per hour or something like that. That's crazy. 40. And that's just, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's his non-dominant side too. Jeez. So the work that these guys put in is crazy. And, and in a way you got to think that it might be easier for them too. I guess handle it because they're not having to wait on like their team to practice. They can just practice on their own. Yeah. Whenever, regardless yeah. of the virus or not. Um, talking about McGregor. What? How many times is this he retired now? I don't know. I mean, I know I've yeah, seen him know. like twice, but <laughs> apparently it's more than that. So I had to. <laughs> I think this time. He's- and I think he yeah, actually done though. But even after like he said he was retiring, people immediately were other fires even were immediately tweeting at him like, "All right, so how long is this gonna last?" <laughs> You're retiring, <laughs> bet. <laughs> All right, so fight next month. Uh... So you're coming back for Fight Island? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fight Island, I'm in. <laughs> so open a Vegas game like. Game they book on the odds of Conor McGregor returning or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be different for every league, and you know it's a good thing they're coming back. Whether or not they should 
should at the extent, I guess it's up to the league and the owners. And they've all reached that point. I mean, I think, I think the NBA and baseball are probably in the same situations right now because they both have their setup for how they're going to play. But you have players opting out left and right because to get into baseball today, pretty sure it's today, David Price opted out. Announced he was opting out of the season. And I mean, for a big name player like David Price to opt out of the season, that could just that can impact people's decisions regardless, you know? Because like baseball is one of those things where especially in your own team, if one of your top teammates like and you know he's one of the top players in your team, opts out in your team, you have to like, well, so like all of our star players aren't gonna play. Like maybe I shouldn't play, like Yeah. <laughs> and it, and apparently it even affects the Red Sox because apparently it involves a six million dollar thing in his contract because he didn't he's not playing the season so we get some type of compensation. I don't know. But like but like you were saying with the whole, you know, superstar like him opting out, I was listening about, you know, with, even with the NBA or this is any sport that does this inclusion of, you know, players being able to opt out. It's a whole peer pressure thing now. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If superstars are saying that they don't want to opt out, so now that, you know, decides the lower guys to maybe not opt out. Or if they want to opt, if the superstars want to opt out, now that makes the other guys want to opt out. Like you were saying, it's just a whole peer pressure thing. And I think it also impacts on the reasoning behind it. Because, I mean, you look at, there's players. There's there's talk that there are, there could be players who opt out of the seasons for reasons that have nothing to do with Corona. Whether it's because they feel like they shouldn't be playing during the current state of our country due to the virus or other issues going on. But like, I like think about it this way: What if Mike Trout were to say tomorrow or later tonight, post a thing saying, "I've decided to opt out of the season." Which I think he said he'd consider it because I'm pretty sure he has a pregnant wife at home. Don't quote me on that, but <laughs> pretty sure that he said said something like that, or another big time player has. But I do know for a fact that Bryce Harper is expecting a child, and he could easily opt out of the season because of that. And all of those, both of those, I mean. If I was a player and I and I had a baby coming, I there's nothing in the world that will make me, you know, miss the birth of my child. Yeah, and back to when what Nick was saying about Mike Trout, I did just look it up, and his wife is pregnant, and he did say he doesn't feel that comfortable playing and possibly bringing it back to his wife and unborn child. Thank you, Troy. So you can quote me on that. But anyway, <laughs> but it, again, on the peer pressure thing about it, Diego, like it's, it's like, I feel like, like college teams, like if a top player decides to opt out or something, like would the rest of the players or like underclassmen opt out? Like would a rookie be more susceptible to opt out of a season if a ton of the veterans opted out? Like, I think they would. I mean, I mean, the other thing about it is if all these 
veterans that are not going to play, then this is going to just bring about, like you said, Nick, rookies or so, or players that are young that just come, came into the league playing, and it's going to be different for them. Yeah. Because I think a ton of – because I think what the NLB is doing is it's a 30-player pool uh, – not 30, 60-player pool of – I think you bring you can bring 30 with you to travel the games, but, like, based on players opting out or whatever, injuries or something, you have other players to, like, theoretically re- replace them because the Red Sox at one point didn't have catcher Jonathan McCroy – on in the player pool, but now I think that they just added him recently. And it's like, well, cause you got to think about the minor league players and shout out to all you guys, because I feel so bad for you, especially my guy, Ryan McKenna, MLB minor league season was just canceled. I mean, like, yeah, that's there's not doing nothing. That's horrible. For you're trying to climb up there and make a name for yourself in the MLB, and now you're losing out on a year of trying to do that. Especially players like on the up and coming, like yeah, players who could have made the league this year or within the year or two now are held a year back, and like depending on age, like like they might not be able to come back from that. Heck, if the if the minor league comes back because half the players before any of this happened or something got like laid off because teams didn't want to have the whole payment thing with paying the like professional league players made owners cut ties with like almost half their minor league rosters because like the Red Sox cut 20 at least 20 people from the minor league system like as soon as the whole negotiation thing came out and I mean it sucks for those minor league you know, the business part of it. Because now, since their season's canceled, but also now, they most of their revenue is coming from, you know, their games, the sponsors, the fans, their concessions. So, yeah. you lose a whole complete season off of that. Yeah. It's hard to come back from. Very now hard. You have to figure out ways of stuff to do that to make money. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, I think the G League in the NBA is probably going to get hurt in a way. But I feel like – but, I mean, they had already started their season if that almost done. Yeah. So, like, the impact they feel is nowhere near the minor leagues who never got the start and they're never going to yeah, happen this year. At all. Yeah. And I have no – I don't know if what NHL does in terms of – Farm systems. I know they have the AHL. I don't think that ever finished, although it's probably close. But again, that's it's similar to the G League. Probably it, it at least probably got the start and get a good chunk of it in. So not all these teams are losing all the revenue they could have had from the whole season. But now it's just gone. Yeah. You know, yeah, what? it's it's a new world. It's a new world for sports fans yeah. and owners and players. Right. A lot of decisions have to be made. Well, you know what? It'll pro- it's probably better now than it is later on because now 
we if something like this happens again, you know, they can at least know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're more more prepared if something were to happen again on the scale. Yeah, more preparations, I guess. And I think, I mean, I'm not his biggest fan, but I got to say, I'm going to give props to Raj Goodell for being able to pull the NFL together to figure things out this past spring with the offseason and the draft because that easily yeah, could have been bit. thrown to the shoot and yeah. It could have been a thing where people got sent an email about, oh, by the way, you were drafted. Let's <laughs> turn it into the thing that it was. Because they it was so successful that they are they are literally considering it to be the met the new method of how they draft. And, you know, I watched it and it, it was it was still entertaining and pretty good. It was. Yeah, I think ESPN yeah, I... needs to decide better on how they introduce players, but I mean No, yeah. But that comes with more preparation, I guess, too. <laughs> yeah. I think everything they did with that draft was um, amazing. I don't normally watch the draft or I'll watch the first couple picks to see who gets taken, like, the top ten or so. But I watched all of round one, all of rounds two and three. And just, you know, also just, I also just found myself being entertained by when it would show players getting drafted and, like, what would be, like, in their own house with their family. Yeah. I think that was the most, like, that kept everyone in, just seeing their actual reactions with their families and their friends. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that is that we get to see every player almost do that, you know? Yeah. And, like, even big-name players. Because before, you had, like, rounds two through three or, or even four where you have all the players in the green room or they go on the stage – which which is a cool moment, but I think it might even mean more as a player and as a fan to just see the reaction and, like, the celebration of a family. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure Joe Burrow knew he was going to be picked by the Bengals and Chase Young knew yeah. he was going to get picked by the Redskins. But even the moment of getting the call that confirms without a doubt you are in the NFL – after having a college football career, I just think watching that and celebrating with watching them celebrate with their families is just really cool. Yeah. yeah. There were some like in the later rounds, like, you know, more like round three, where it's more uncertain what's going to happen to them, where yeah. the reactions like really did make you like feel like happy for them, really happy for them than you do in the past. And it's just their name being said. You see like them actually like the moment they literally figure out they are going to be a player in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's had its funny moments too. Like you yeah. had the whole thing with yeah. the whole thing with Bill Belichick. Let's say it was yeah. yeah, Bill Belichick's dog where they're meant to <laughs> yeah. like, oh we're gonna look at Bill Belichick. Oh and he's not there. <laughs> no, we just know who now we know who's the secret weapon of choosing all the players. This whole time, his whole time it wasn't Bill, it was his dog. <laughs> you wanna know why Tom Brady was picked? The dog liked it. <laughs> oh, man. I want to talk funny moments in the draft. I know that we were just talking about how great Roger Goodell is, but I'm sorry. He was definitely plastered during the draft. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was, like, at least, like, three or five times where he said, like, the 20 
the, like he would be talking about the 2021 <laughs> NFL draft, but it was really like this draft he was yeah, talking really about. Talking, yeah. It's but like, like they're saying in twenty in twenty twenty two the draft will be in Las Vegas because they already have the location for next year. He goes the twenty twenty one NFL draft, and I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think he actually said the twenty twenty NFL draft. Yeah, I'm like, you mean yeah, the draft yeah. that's going on right yeah, now? Yeah. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> like, like, wait a minute. <laughs> then why are you on TV? Like, <laughs> or like he'd have a screen of fans and he'd like hold the cart to them, and it's like that's just the screen. There's no camera on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can't see the card. If anything, face it the other it's like, way. It's a good one. And well, it's like, a good they one. They don't know that. They can't see the card. <laughs> or they'd be booing it and you'd be like, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> hit, hit me harder. <laughs> I would be trying to cheer them on. I mean, no one's really. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was another cool thing. Like the whole like telephone thing they did for charities and the auction. I don't know if you know this, but. Do you, uh, do you guys know who Dave Portnoy is? Yeah. No. <laughs> so, Diego, you, you're he familiar run, with Barstool, Bar right? Sport. Huh? Yeah. So he's the president of that. And he's the guy, if you remember, when the Goodell shirts were made with the clown noses, oh. he was the guy behind all that. Gotcha. Huge Patriots fan, hates Goodell. So <laughs> one of the auction prizes was yeah, that you could bid for and all the money went to like a charity or whatever was you get to watch an NFL game with Goodell in his basement. <laughs> and he won it. Oh, my God. He put in, like, oh an insane amount of money just because he was like, I want to go into that man's basement and wearing my Goodell <laughs> stuff t-shirt and watch a game. <laughs> oh, man. And I think he released – I think I – he sent like a video that the NFL gave him a notice thing, like due to, yeah, due to his like criminal record, they're not allowing him to show up. <laughs> the, and theoretically, he kind of has a criminal record, but it's I don't think it's an you know, it's like criminal record. It's more of under the NFL record. Yeah, because they accused him of like breaking in breaking into the Atlanta Falcons Patriots Super Bowl. And doing a ton of stuff. But I'm pretty sure he had tickets to get in there. Like, yeah. He definitely makes enough to buy tickets yeah. to yeah. get in there. Like, he definitely like, just went to that game. I've definitely seen, like, I think, I don't know if it was that Super Bowl. There's a video of these guys who snuck into one of the Super Bowls. <laughs> and he won in that video. So... <laughs> Granted, I'm not like, hey, I mean, theoretically speaking, I get it if he did, but I highly doubt he would break into the Super Bowl. And if he did, how did y'all allow a well-known guy to break into a Super Bowl? Like, how did you not like one one of the biggest names in like social media right now? (laughs) Like, like so many people know who he is. Like, someone's bound to notice him, whether it's a fan or a security person, or like, I don't know, check his ID. (laughs) <laughs> like hey we got this suspicious celebrity in the stadium you think we should check his id no <laughs> that'll be unnecessary <laughs> yeah it'll, it'll it'll be interesting to see what what happens i mean i think M- uh nba scrimmage will start not next week but the week after 
and then the game games start later. Troy, do you know the NHL start date? Um, NHL, they haven't made it official, but they are aiming for the first game to be played on August 1st, which, I mean, is around the time that I think the NBA games are starting, like, July. Like, the, the game games are starting July 30th. They have scrimmages yeah. in, like, a couple weeks. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure MLB starts – I want to say it's like the 24th of July, but I could be thinking of something else. But Yeah, it's a, I think it's around there. But yeah, it'll be it'll be different because you, it's, I mean, I think obviously there's going to be like the little asterisk on the like Wikipedia article about whoever wins these championships. Like, by the way, yeah. this happened during Corona. Yeah. This is a whole nother topic because you can look at it. Oh, it was super easy. It doesn't, you know, Things were messed up, like, you know, like, who cares if they won that suit? It didn't really matter or whatever. But, I mean, personally, I feel like that's probably more reason to celebrate it than anything else, considering they had to be separated from each other for, like, three months. A lot, lot less training. Came, they still came together. Yeah, and they still came together and beat other teams. Like, everyone had, like, pretty much a general playing field. Like, it's not like... The Patriots and, like, Chiefs, 49, like, all the good NFL teams got to do all this stuff and the bad ones didn't. Or, like, the good NHL teams, bad ones. Like, it's all based on the players and, like, the league. Like, everyone's going to, like, be able to practice in similar ways with, like, obviously with the limitation stuff. But it's not like – like, they're all starting with clean slate, level slates. So, it's going to be – it's going to be a hard hill to climb, yeah. and kudos to and all even, the ones who win. Yeah, like, with the whole clean clean slate thing, like, the Bruins, yes, are the President's Trophy-winning team, but if they don't do good in the round robin, they won't be the one seed going into the playoffs. Yeah, and they could, honestly, they could easily just, like, just be bad and just lose. And, and a team that you never thought yeah. could win can just come in and dominate. And yeah, a team like like the two low the two lowest teams from the twenty four that fixed Chicago and Montreal, they theoretically could even go on to win the cup now. Yep. A te- two teams that back before this all happened, like yeah, Matt actually could have made the playoffs, which is why they were picked to be in this, but like you know deep down they're not going to. Yeah. And with the NBA it's um like all because if there's single elimination, I really see a lot of upsets happening. Because any team can have a hot run during the game, and that's going to be the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, especially, especially with single elimination, anything can happen. Yeah. It's just that one game. Yeah. Especially with player opt-outs, because, I mean, there's bound to be, like, huge – I mean, Victor Oladipo is a huge name player, but, I mean, the Pacers are already prepared in terms of guard depth do not have him this season regardless of Corona or to a full usage because of his injury. But even that, like, there's bound to be more star players who are going to opt out at some point. Yeah. So, it, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, the cu- the next couple weeks are important too because we've talked about recent spikes back in America and if things get a lot worse before they get better, who knows how it's going to impact how this – all these sports leagues coming back too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the amount of coronavirus 
cases and deaths are something that the leagues definitely in the next couple weeks have to pay very close attention to because they could even like like the president could just come out and tell them they can't play yeah. if stuff gets worse. Yep. Yeah, I know this is just been hitting hard on college sports too because like it this is much more than just for college sports. Like this is just for everything. Like, the college in general. Like you don't know what's going on and to for college sports to come back and everything, it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, even be, being a baseball player and you you are a you play volleyball like our sports can still be impacted, even though we're. I mean, obviously they were this past season. I think that's yeah obvious. We had some but like reasons, yeah. but even this upcoming season is in full question because who knows what we're able to do in the fall, and if something worse comes in the fall. They're just gonna shut everything down. They're not gonna be like, "Oh, we'll give it a shot." They're just gonna, yeah, no, it's done. Yeah. It's done. And that it just because that it doesn't just affect Division One. It affects all levels of college sports. Yeah. It's just it affects all college athletes. Because me, me and you, Nick, we're we're at Division Three, and even yep. with that, we're still in question of everything with school and with how even we're going to be able to practice. You have no idea of how that's going to work. Yep. It's, it's going to be, I mean, aside from like the sports, it's going to be different stuff for everybody. I mean, school work, um, outings, what's going to open close, whether it's going to stay open in that, the distancing, masks and everything like it's it's gonna be again like i said earlier it's it's something that's got to be taken like daily weekly monthly just like because you you never know what's going to happen on a daily basis or how it can affect the rest of the week or how it's going to affect the month which i mean we've seen one bad month of march shut down stuff april may june like well that about wraps up this episode thank you guys for participating and listening for all our fans um so to kind of to officially end up just want to cover kind of the logistics um so we're now going to be broadcasting through the anchor app so we will no longer, or as of right now, we will no longer be using the Spreaker app to distribute our podcast. So after this recording is done, I will be editing it and then publishing it, and then it will be distributed to um, outlets such as Spotify, I believe iTunes, and I also want to say Google's podcast platform i would have to double check but also we are going to be on instagram and soon we're going to be on twitter and facebook so check us out and i hope you guys enjoy you'll see all the new stuff we come out with thank you guys see you guys later see you thank you